This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. There's just something really special and unique. And I, you know, if you are a father, I, I think thing that I would ask of, of fathers is to open your heart to your daughters because it, I think that's what daughters bring out in fathers, in my opinion. It's like, you you know, they bring the human side out of fathers. And, and I just want to say, like, do your best to not close that off and seek the help that you need to keep that heart open. Because I, I completely understand um, the journey of of what it's like to be, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not a veteran myself, but to see what men go through in the military and especially if they're fathers it's like your heart your heart's so much bigger than what what the military has kind of suppressed dory one this is fire team delta dad's coming home welcome to the military veteran dad podcast where it is our mission to bring every dad home i am your host ben colloy i'm a united states marine veteran husband and a father We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to episode 73 of Military Veteran Dad. Dads, today's episode is going to be amazing. But before we get started with today's episode, I just want to go out there and honor quickly our moms because yesterday was Mother's Day. And it's one of those holidays where we pause, we slow down, even a little bit different in in COVID-19 era, where it's just a focus on the family. There isn't a lot of get-togethers going on like normal. I know for my family, we would normally be doing a get-together. But I just want to honor you because without you, none of our family life would be possible. And it's you that helps bring us back home. It's you that helps build that bridge. And if you're listening to this, I want to say I thank you. And dads, make sure you thanked and appreciate your wife, not just on Mother's Day, but every day because they do deserve that appreciation. I also want to point out that there are two places that you might not be aware that you can listen to the podcast. The first one is on Alexa. You can actually say, hey, Alexa, play the Military Veteran Dad podcast. The second place is on YouTube. Every one of our episodes going back to episode one is on our YouTube channel. So go ahead and check out those links in the show notes. The link is there. Every one of them is there. It's not the video, but it is the audio form. So if YouTube is facilitated in whatever environment is better for you, go ahead, check them out. Because whatever your method is, I want to make sure you're getting this value in this podcast because the value is here. And today's episode is just as good. One more before we dive into this episode. Last week was a big week for me. Last week, I launched something that transformed my life. And now I hope it can transform your life. And so if you've been following the podcast, you know that friendships was at the core of what I was missing in my life when I turned 30. And friendships and feeling connected and feeling that I wasn't alone and having other people reflect back the value in my life that I wasn't able to see, that radically changed my life and radically brought me closer to the dad that I am today and the dad that I strive to every day by growing through this podcast, showing up in my kid's life, failing consistently every day. And falling down, but getting back up, 
friendships is one of those things that continues to do that for me. And so with that, I wanted to bring you a free resource. So go check out freedadcourse.com after you check out this episode. There is a five-lesson audio course on how to create more friends. Using my life as the example, taking the things that I've learned, the reasons why friendships can change your life and how to really do them, and even why it might not work for you. How do you overcome the fear that may be inside your head that currently prevents you? Maybe you are just like me when I turned 30 and you have a lot of good reasons in your head and excuses for why you can't move your life forward and create more friends. We even tackle that. Each episode is about 10 minutes, so it's not too long. So if you've got a good 50 minutes in your life and it's in a great, I spent a lot of time making sure that I had the right platform. It's got its own app. It delivers it right to your phone, Android and iPhone. So go ahead, check out freedadcourse.com. Let's get started with this week's episode. So one thing that we have never done on the podcast is we've never had a gold star family member. Now, we've had ones of the wife, but we've never had ones of the kids. It was something I set out as a goal way back in the beginning of this podcast. And if you've ever listened to the introduction, it's clearly there that I wanted to do this. So it's taken a while to get it done, but I am so glad I was patient waiting for the right story because... Today's guest, Jen, just opens it up. She brings in so much love and so much appreciation for what it means to be a dad, for what it means on the other side when we don't show up in our kid's life or when we disconnect or in the case where we don't get to come home to our family. Maybe something happens in our life and we no longer get to be there. This story will inspire you to be a better dad now while you have the chance because you never know when your life will be cut short. And she outlines a path of how she had to grow through what happened to her, not knowing what happened to her dad, the mysterious circumstances of how it happened, and just learning how to identify and grow up into the world and find herself. And she's now over 30, but she had a long journey of finding herself. And this episode is so beautiful because she talks about it, she opens it up, and she just has one of those stories that you can't help but want to listen to more of. And she's got a podcast herself holding down the fort. There's a link down in the show notes as well for that. All of her socials are down there. If you want to follow up on her on Instagram, she said was the best place to catch up with her. This episode is going to crack you wide open. And I loved the advice she gives of open your heart because I'm a heart-centered dad myself. I'm a heart-centered person. And the idea that we close off our heart when we feel threatened or when we feel uncomfortable is one of those things that our kids can feel instantly but we need to remain open. We need to keep our hearts open and our daughters are a perfect vehicle to help us understand how we need to feel, how we need to feel love, and just how do we love being a dad and be open to receive the love that is our kids. So without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode with Jen Amos. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. I am super excited because we've never told the military dad story from your story. So without me giving it away, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background, your story, and a little bit what we can talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I am what they call a gold star daughter. And what that means for people that are hearing that for the first time, it means that you lost a family a family member while on active duty. And for me, that was my father. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to Alfonso Abdal Amos. I had lost him when I was only 10 years old. So this was over 20 years ago, back in 1998. And uh, we were last stationed in Yokosuka, Japan, naval base at that time. And uh, it's been it's been quite a ride. <laughs> Fast forward to 20 years, um, I never really uh, saw significance to my story. In fact, I didn't even know that I was a gold star daughter until a couple of years ago. I didn't know that was a label. 
um, until I had met my husband and uh, he's a veteran. And uh, I got to learn, I, I decided to get involved in the military community again um, after long thought <laughs> um, and, and really uh, explore my, my story as a gold star daughter. So I'm really happy to be on here and I, I appreciate you having me then. What's, what was the situation around your dad passing? It wasn't suicide. It was more related to duty. You know, it's actually quite interesting. Um, what his death certificate says unknown. Uh, he supposedly had drowned. And so even to this day, we don't know what has happened to him. He has a marker in Fort Rosecrans Cemetery in San Diego, California. And um, what we're told is that it was in mid-October of 1998 his best friend, uh, who I actually met for the first time in 20 years, earlier this year on New Year's Day, um, said he was the last to see him. And he happened to be on the upper deck. And we were told that there was a typhoon that night, supposedly, and he had gone missing the next day. And so um, his last ship was the USS Kitty Hawk. And for three days, they sent a search crew to find him. Um, and they weren't able to find him. And they eventually just said that he, um, his death is unknown. And uh, at that time, like I said, my family and I were in Yokosuka, Japan. And because he wasn't our sponsor anymore, uh, we had no choice but to, to leave Japan and uh, live, live out our civilian lives after that. Mm -hmm. You really get thrusted back to normal in a, diff in a, in a bad way. So you, <laughs> yeah. you actually, there's a grave marker, but to this day, there's still not an actual uh, body attached to the, to the grave. No, in, uh, in, in Fort Rosecrans Cemetery, he is in the section where um, other bodies ha have also gone missing. So they're all just markers. Uh, so he's in that section. Um, so, yeah. Well, that is, wow, that's just uh, it's, it's a very powerful story. And I can, I can Im immediately imagine, like, at 10 years old, you have enough awareness to understand some normalcy of what you identify with your life. But then you also have the raw ability to, to, to feel some of the strong emotions that I can imagine you felt after that. What was, what was some of the, the things that you first started feeling, if you can unpack that a little bit? Like what was those years after between like, between like 10 and 15 for you? Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting because I remember the day when they came to our apartment and I uh, told my mom the news. I was sitting, we were, on, we were sitting on a couch and I was sitting right behind her when they were telling her what was happening. And um, I, I honestly, at that time, at 10 years old, I didn't know how to react. So I looked at my mom and she started crying. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to cry too. So I, I sort of actually forced myself to shed a couple tears just because I thought that I had to. Um, I actually did have very fond memories of my father. I, uh, I'd like to believe I was the princess. I, I'd like to believe I was the favorite uh, daughter before my sister was born because uh, for, for five years at least, I was the, the youngest uh, sibling. I have an older brother. Um, and uh, anyway, um, it was only when, it was only after the uh, sort of the funeral service really um, and after going to church and stuff and, and after the news when um, I, it really hit me that my dad was gone and it was actually coming from a selfish place because, because we had all this, uh, uh, what do you call it? All of this media attention for my dad's disappearance. That's when I, that's when I started to feel like I was making friends. Like people started talking to me and of course it was for like sympathy. They weren't, I don't think they really were trying to be my friends. Uh, but it was, a, it was really when they finally told us that we had to leave that I actually started crying and I was really resentful about it because I thought, oh, you know, as a military child, 
um, you know, just like with, with, I think most uh, active duty uh, military families, you move every two to three years and some people thrive in that environment, but I couldn't, you know, I was an introvert. I was shy. Um, I needed routine. And uh, at that point I, I essentially gave up on trying to make friends. Like I was like, okay, like we're moving again. And even when we uh, moved to San Diego, we moved again. And my life has been constant moving. Even in the last five, six years, I've moved more than a handful of times. I think I just, as an adult, it just, it just became a part of me uh, to do that. Um, the next thing I the, the, the other thing I want to add is that, um, I really, I think I really, you know, within those five years that you're talking about, I think I became just really numb and, and really depressed. And I didn't know how to identify that at the time. I didn't know, um, what I was going through. I was very aloof. I kind of just hung out with people if they wanted to be my friends. <laughs> it was kind of like, Hey Jen, you're my friend now. I'm like, okay. And you know, that doesn't always, uh, lead into the best types of friendships. I definitely had experienced bullying and I had experienced uh, just just like very narcissistic narcissistic friends um, that I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how to set healthy boundaries because I thought, well, you know, they're they're with me, so that's all that matters. They're not going to leave me. They're not going to disappear. Um, because one thing I, I realized after losing my dad is that I had struggled with abandonment issues. And if anyone uh, is hearing that for the first time, it's it's really this idea that you think everyone's going to leave you or die um, unless you leave them first. <laughs> and so um, even if I didn't have the best of friendships, just knowing that they were there was more than enough for me, you know, toxic or not. So, you know, those first five years were... Um, it's interesting that I can say this now at 32 years old. Like, trust me, even if you asked me this almost a decade ago, I wouldn't be able to articulate this. But yeah, those five years were, were really hard. Um, and I was just very complacent. I almost felt like I was, uh, one of my coaches had told me this, that it almost seemed like I was disappearing because I probably just didn't feel like I mattered anymore after that, after I lost my dad. Yeah, because your father to his daughter, I mean, that's the that, that our role as fathers is to help validate a, a, our daughters who they are and to value themselves inside. And when that gets turned off, and it sounds like he was a good dad that was doing it well before, you you slowly start. It's like just when you turn a faucet off and and you got uh, it's starting to drip out the bottom of the sink. Like it's eventually going to run out, and your your internal value is going to be derived from other people. But it also sounds like you had that like connection that your brain didn't want you to feel that pain of loss again. So it did a lot of subconscious things to make sure that you avoided that feeling of loss or maybe probably self-sabotage your relationship before that feeling even (laughs) happened. That's a really good observation, Ben. And you are absolutely right. Because uh, really, since then, I had a series of toxic male relationships within my family and outside of my family. Um, I It was only really till I met my husband, um, where for the first time in my life, I felt like I um, had remnants of my dad through him, as odd as that sounds. Because my dad, he was uh, he was um, emotionally available for me. I was the center of his world. I was like to believe I was his favorite, you know, child <laughs> until my sister was born. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's like when I lost him, I just thought I, I had this belief in my head that um, if I could come close to that again, I'm probably going to lose it. And so I can't get close to that for my own safety, for my own you know, sanity. So you're absolutely right. And uh, like I said, I, I've had a lot of help in the last uh, over handful, almost five, yeah, five plus years um, to get the kind of help to realize like, okay, Jen, like you 
actually deserve to be loved. You deserve to be valued. Um, you may, you know, no one will ever, what is it? No one will ever um, replace your dad's love, but you still deserve, you know, unconditional mm-hmm. love and you deserve to be validated. And, you know, my mom, you would think like, oh, what, what about your mother? Well, my mother, she was a survivor <laughs> after we lost my dad. You know, she, she was a widow of three kids under 11 years old. You know, we were 11, 10, and five. And so she had to figure that out, like all on her own. And fortunately, she had her siblings um, help her out. But even so, her mindset was all about survival and providing. And I am happy to say that my mom is uh, doing so much better today. She's healthy. She's happy. She's stable. Um, But really those, you know, that, that first decade or so after losing my dad, I had a really rough relationship with her because <laughs> uh, I was, you know, even though I was the youngest, uh, youngest daughter at the time, I was the oldest daughter. So when my sister was born, my sister kind of became the golden child in my perspective. And so I think my mom felt most connected to me because I was, I was her daughter that she um, had a lot of expectations for me more than, more so than my older brother. And I want to pause right here and talk to the dad listening to this because you just validated what I've been talking about in the podcast for so long that his father is the man that we live up to be is the, the, the template that your daughters go out into the world to measure every person they, they meet. And the father that lives up to the, who he is and who he wants his daughter to bring home doesn't have any worry of what his daughter brings home. And in your case, you didn't have that template. And, you, and but right. when you found your husband, you used the words like, he measured up to the man that I remembered with my dad. Yeah. And that that connection, that's like when you just start figuring out who you are and start dating, that measurement is something that fathers have the bar to set. So if you're not setting the bar high and you're not letting your, liking who your kids are dating, that's a direct reflection of how high the bar you've set for yourself. And you nailed it right there when you said that like, that's what you liked about your husband because he met the bar and it took you a long time to unpack those emotions of what your dad, well, you probably suppressed those memories of who he was because it was safe to do that in your mind. But then when yeah. you started connecting with it, that, that love came out and then you had kind of the blueprint, that template that he left to go out into the world to find someone to measure up to him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just have to give a shout out to my husband because <laughs> because um, he's put up he's put up with a lot with me. I mean, and, and I know he can say the same. He's like, well, you put up a lot with me. Like that's what we're meant for each other. But, you know, I remember when I started to see a lot of my uh, traits in my dad and him, um, it was really hard for me to unpack that with him. It was hard for me to open up about it because every time I would try to bring it up, I would, I would kind of like swell up inside and I'd, I'd get so emotional and it would be so like, I would almost cry every time. And it's really in the last year or two where I finally feel like I've found my voice and I could really articulate articulate myself to him so much so that I think it intimidates him sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> how expressive uh, I can be but I really have to give it to him for you know his patience and his unconditional love um, you know for me and uh, I just want to add on to what you said Ben with uh, the whole template I, I think it's interesting how you how you say that um, I think that I think that there's a very special relationship between daughters and fathers. It's it's just I mean I I can't speak on behalf of my relation my brother's relationship with my dad, but yep. you know yeah just just feeling I, I just remember that 
um, he was just always there for me. Even even like even though he was gone months at a time, because he was a he was a machinist mate first class, and so he'd get deployed. I think six months at a time, from what I recall. But when he was when he was back, like he was there, he was present. You know, he would always hold me. He'd when I remember when I started to know what money was. Every time I asked him for money, he'd give me like a twenty dollar bill. Um, I think I think he would have spoiled me growing up. And I think if he was here today, he probably would be very strict on the men that I date. Um, I think it would have been really difficult for, for him to see me with with other men. But yeah, there's just there's just something really special and unique. And I, you know, if you are a father, I I think um, I think the the thing that I would ask of, of fathers is to um, open your heart to your daughters because it's uh, it's it's. I mean, I, I think I think that's what daughters bring out in fathers. In my opinion, it's like you you know they bring the human side out of fathers. And and I just want to say like 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 do your best to not close that off and seek the help that you need to keep that heart open. Cause I, I completely understand, um, the journey of, of what it's like to be, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a veteran myself, but to see what men go through in the military and especially if they're fathers, um, it's, it's like your heart, your heart's so much bigger than what, what the military has kind of suppressed for, from you. Yeah. you or know, what it's I, issued you allowed to be able to feel. That's usually yeah. what I describe it. Like military. <laughs> and the, it's weird. The military never tells you how to process your feelings, but it's all the unspoken innuendo that says, this is the exact amount that you should apply. And if you apply any more emotions to anything you do, you're wrong. But no one sp- speaks that. Like I've almost said, like, I wish the DOD would come out and create an, a, an order on emotions. And like, <laughs> this is what you can and can't feel. And that, that, that there isn't the thing you can't feel, but that's like, just blatantly saying like, none of us have said yeah. at any point in our history, you can't feel what you need to feel and you need to be macho. But the unspoken BS of the military is what always gets us into trouble. I saw a great meme that nailed this point that for sons, a father is their first hero. And mm. for daughters, it's their first love. And Aww, when you beautiful. connect that, that, like that feeling, like there's, um, I repeat it far too often, but it's worth repeating because it's a very good statistic that like, just hugging your daughter from like from beginning to as she grows up reduces the chance by like 60% that she has sex by the age of 12 because that wow. feeling and connection of love from you grounds her in a way that she doesn't need to seek it from others. Yeah. I have, ready. And I thought I'd share like, even with in full disclosure to that, I was a virgin until I was 21 because I, there was somewhere, something instinctively inside of me said like, no, I got to save myself. <laughs> Because your father, like, I have a high respect that. for myself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's very true. You know that, and I guess Catholicism was my my background. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not Catholic anymore, but I think just part of that like shame of like, yeah, you know, save yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But definitely, just knowing that, like, I wanted to, I knew for some reason it was built in my head that I was going to save my save myself for someone that was worth waiting for. And like no guy could do it. And unfortunately, I, I do want to share this as well. The person that I did lose it to, um, it wasn't the one. It, it, un- unfortunately, like it, it actually turned out the re- reason why I wanted to be with him is because I just had this feeling that he wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> and so, and then when I did lose it to him, I had convinced myself like, okay, well, I lost it to him. He might as well be the one. And six, six, seven years later, we ended up breaking up because I was just, I I realized I I had to let go of that idea uh, that he was the one just because I lost my virginity to him. But either way, I do want to, I I do think that I have to give credit to my father um, that I waited so long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And even as I raised my daughters, my, I have two daughters, eight and three. 
Like the one way that I always sum up my greatest fear is when she reaches 18, that world will be validated or a girl will, will seek validation by how many Instagram followers and what oh God, Instagram says about them. So like, I think it is my primary mission just to like make sure that she derives her own self value from herself. Like a common example is like her brother will say something stupid to her and I'm like, well, do you believe it to be true? Whatever he just said. And she's like, no. Mm. And I'm like, well, your opinion about yourself is the one that matters the most. So what other mm-hmm. people say isn't that important. And so like, mm-hmm. it's very small, like example, but that little point, like that's what I'll hopefully be able to keep doing as she grows up. Like your opinion of yourself is the one that you hold the closest. And there's so much, I think, external validation for women to get caught up in. And this is why I think fathers can play such a great role because we can help breathe that validation into them, reminding that they're beautiful, reminding them they're beautiful just the way they are. Like they don't have to conform to whatever society is telling them to conform to. And without that, that's just, it's just kind of, it's like a, it just starts, it's like a wobble. It just starts wobbling around and it loses its anchor. And that's what fathers can do. It can be that anchor point for someone to grow up. I have to ask, so like as you worked through and you're now at 32 and you reflect back, I can't imagine that you would not want your dad to come back, but what's something that going through that moment has forced you to find deeper and you probably couldn't imagine finding in a different way than having to go through the process of losing your dad? Is there some type of beauty that's come out of you going back into this idea of your dad passing that's allowed you to kind of like switch from life happened to me to my life has happened for me, even though it's still a tragic thing to go through? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have, um, I mean, I, I, a therapist didn't diagnose this to me, but they unofficially said that I have uh, post-traumatic growth, which means that I essentially uh, grow from my pain. I grow from my traumas. And uh, I was just, I was actually just talking to, um, I currently have a life coach, shout out to Jason Matthews with uh, Charlie Mike Life, or Charlie Mike Life Coaching. Um, But he, um, uh, what was I going to say with him? I totally, what was the question again? <laughs> Help me out <laughs> About how life is happening to you or for you and not to you and that you have the post-traumatic growth. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So he had, he had, what is it? So Jason uh, Matthews had pointed out to me that um, he, cause I, when I was telling him about my upbringing and how I moved every two to three years, and even in my young twenties, when I graduated college, I got fired from four jobs consecutively. And so a decade later, I've been self-employed ever since. Like I have never worked a full-time job. It hasn't been easy, but I, I figured it out. And my, uh, uh, Jason had mentioned to me, he's all like, you know, it's interesting how you, you took all of that, like kind of, uh, spontaneous, sporadic, uh, unpredictable lifestyle. You just owned it. Um, and it, it, it is quite e- interesting even today with the, you know, at the time of this uh, recording um, with this pandemic with COVID-19, that while a lot of people are really affected by, um, you know, this change and establishing a new normal, um, this is completely normal for my husband and I, you know, it's like we, we've been working from home for a long time and we know what it's like to pivot, like, you know, him being a veteran and me having this military family background. Um, so I, I want to say that like, as much as I would have, you know, as much as I would have wished for my dad to, you know, still be around, um, you know, as much as how awesome it would be if maybe he actually has been around this whole time and he finally showed up, um, you know, if there's one thing, there's, there's a big lesson I had learned from all this because in, in all of my, um, coaching and, and therapy, I came to a place where I had to be okay with not knowing what happened. I just, just had to be. And, and it was interesting because a lot of my life um, showed, like a lot of my life, I was always trying to 
complete things or try to find the answers to things like in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came to a place where I was like, I guess I'll never know, maybe I'll know one day, but the point of life is not knowing it all. It's about living it. And maybe the answers will come later, but you don't, you don't spend your life trying to live for those answers. Um, because they may just, they just may never come. And in, in my case, it's my dad. Now I do want to say that, um, you know, earlier this year, my sister and I started to interview um, people that knew my father and we uh, actually um, have a, have some evidence or we, we have this theory that my dad was actually suicidal um, and he actually uh, struggled with depression uh, throughout the throughout his service he was uh, in the service for 18 years he was almost he was almost done he had two years before oh. uh, before we lost him yeah and uh, and so it, it's interesting to know that because um, I, I've, I know that I've struggled with mild depression for a very long time and even with suicidal thoughts and to have discovered that to know that it, it runs in the family is very like oh i see so it's not it's not just me and so um i think to i think to answer your question overall i want to say that like like it was a good experience overall and it and it taught me a lot because it had to you know cuz i i just can't change anything i can't go back I can't go back to Japan. I can't go back to those friends. You know, I can't go back to the life that I had lived. I just can't. And so all I can do is accept it and be okay with not knowing and live my life anyway. And I have to say, I, I can't complain. I, I have a good life. I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate that I had sought out help. I'm very fortunate to, um, you know, have good friends and, and loved ones. Um, but it took, it took a lot of work to get here too. Like, it's not like it happened overnight. Like I, 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 like I said, I've had toxic relationships, uh, left and right. And it was only really in my mid twenties when I started to realize like how impactful losing my dad was, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I lost him almost 20 years ago. How is this, how is this affecting me? And when I, when I, learned, I was like, oh, that's where my abandonment issues come from. That's where my depression comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason why I kind of talk about this in a, in a sing-song voice almost is because um, I'm just so grateful to be in a place where I have sought out a lot of healing and continue to do so. And part of that is sharing my story with you. Your mess became your message. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's two points that I want to point out there. So there's one that like in a world where if your dad did take his own life. So I've interviewed spouses of husbands that did take their own life. And there was this idea and lesson that I repeat anytime suicide comes up that like, you are a great example that for a dad, the one thought that they believe that this is the right way out is that they're a burden and this burden is painful. And the way to end that burden and pain is to take my own life and remove myself and cut the cancer out kind of. But you're an example and every other person who has a family member of suicide, they understand this idea that the pain doesn't stop. You only pass it on and you pass it on in a way that they'll never understand it. Like you understand your own pain, but when you take your own life, you just pass it on in a way like if your dad did concludely and you knew that, like the question usually is like, why wasn't I worthy for my dad to stay around? Like that's usually what then kids get stuck on like why didn't my dad find value enough in me to be my father? Why did he choose to take his own life? Like in those cases, like that's painful and you have to grow through yeah. it. And the reason why I, I asked if there, what you were growing through, because even for myself, like I haven't lost anybody, but I've had different situations that put my life under pressure. So the place that I lost my job at, I was never really that happy. Mm-hmm. And so 
for like four years ago, the pressure of that unhappiness made me want to start a side hustle. That journey over four years allowed this podcast to happen. It allowed me to dig deeper into myself. Yes. And that pressure in your life, whatever it may be, good, bad, or the ugly, that pressure is actually good. And I always use a diamond as a good example because a diamond is just raw carbon under pressure. Mm-hmm. But something beautiful comes out on the other end. So in your case, and this is why I love what you said, post-traumatic growth disorder. Like when you have something traumatic happen, it is traumatic. It did happen. But it's just experiencing a lot of life in a short amount of period. Like you have right. enough depth emotionally now that you can probably speak at a level that most 50-year-olds probably can't because <laughs> they haven't had that depth and emotional growth. And when you have that post-traumatic disorder, you grow so exponentially. But when you figure out that it all happened for you, you just don't always know what. And like as, as dads, I always like to say it's like a thousand snap or a thousand piece snap on toolbox and they're all specialized wrenches. You just don't know what wrench you need for which moment, but there's going to come a moment like in my daughter's life or in your kid's life where you're going to be able to pull out a wrench that you never knew really what it is for, but it was related to what happened to you. And you're like, oh, this is what this wrench is for. Because it yeah. all can help someone else when you figure out how to take your, your mess and turn it into your message that it really allows you to do other things. Like a common one for me, I repeat, is there was, I did an exercise and wrote a letter to myself of why I was worth it. And in the letter, mm. I said to myself, like, early in life, you think all people pushed you down. Like, high school was hard. People bullied you. Like, that emotional suffering of being in the bottom really hurt. And, but then, out of, I have no idea where this came from, but it came from myself. I said, early in life, people pushed you down so that later in life, you could pull people up. And that's exactly what wow. this podcast is. Like, I've lived on the bottom. You've been to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And now for your words, your wisdom, your emotional connection to how you connect with people, is that much stronger because you've been to the bottom. You know what that feeling is like. You can see it on their face. I'm sure you probably have already got an intuition when you can feel pain inside someone when they're not honoring it. You can be that lighthouse because you've been at that point. And I think that's the beauty of when you can't change anything that life happens. But when you figure out how to move someone else's mountain based on your life and how it's happened, that's some when you start to switch from life didn't happen to me life happened for me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to applaud you, Ben, because it's not very often I come across very emotionally aware men. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe, it's just, maybe it's just the people I've run into or attracted into my life, but I, I do want to applaud you. And, and that's part of why I was excited to be on your show. Because when I was listening to a, a couple of your podcasts, I can tell uh, how much you care. You know how much you care as a father, and uh, and and more, more importantly, how much you care about your own brothers and uh, in, in becoming and being a father and, and humanizing themselves again, especially after the service. So I got a uh, kudos to you, sir. <laughs> I appreciate. It. And the worst part, it actually is just not a veteran in the military. Like I've told people that I'm a Marine, or people know that I'm a Marine initially, and then I mentioned that like, yeah, I cried happy endings, and they're like, Marines don't cry. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I hate to burst your bubble, but I've cried regularly. I sat in Okinawa where I was stationed for most of my time in the barracks with the door closed at the time because it didn't feel safe, watching mm-hmm. the bus move on Extreme Makeover, always bawling my eyes out when the bus moved. Like that was a consistent, like yeah. my tears, my eyes were watering, but the door was always closed. But like, I've always been a person that was a crier. And even now I, I, my, I don't really handshake much. I go for the hugs. I'm not sure what I'm going to do after COVID because hugs probably ain't going to be allowed. But right, right. The Marine gloves. that cries <laughs> that gives hugs, like it's an oxymoron in and itself. So I, I appreciate that uh, feedback because 
is not, I, I break a lot of stereotypes when I start talking because people are like, this guy can't be a Marine. That's not the Marine that's on the poster board of commercials that they advertise. Yeah. And, you know, I, I completely understand why it's important to be very macho and hyper-masculine in the military because that's, that's proven to win our wars <laughs> for the most part. And uh, I was even talking to a friend who is also a fellow veteran and um, he was saying like, he's like, yeah, like, you know, these people in the military now are like too sensitive. It's like, what if we actually have a war again? Like, how, how are we going to get our shit together? You know, if you don't mind me saying, saying that. And, uh, and it's like, hey, like, I mean, I, I just want to say that I'm, I'm fortunate to be in, in a space and in an environment where um, being emotional is a strength and not a weakness. Um, and yeah, I, I can, my heart goes out to every man who struggles with um, just being honest about their feelings. I, I know so with my husband too, it's not the easiest for uh, easiest thing for him to do as well, talking about his feelings. Um, and so, and and there's one more thing I, I do want to share. I was thinking about this as you were as you're talking, but um, and kind of going back to post traumatic growth, um, I had recently learned through my mom, uh, which my mom she's not she's not a very emotional person. As I mentioned, she's just very task oriented. She's always like, "Did you eat?" eat you know do you have food like do you want to take food as you go you know like whenever i visit her back in san diego always making sure um, you're taken care of yeah always always my basic needs you know always always like okay are you fed are you secure like okay cool that's all that matters and um i remember when uh my i so essentially what i do with my sister is i uh help coordinate like conference calls so she can like interview people interview people that were in my dad's life and we actually had time to, we actually interviewed my mom. Um, and we were talking, we asked her because when we started to realize, when, we, when my sister started to ask, like, did dad have any, like, you know, suicidal thoughts or any, any signs of suicide or depression? My mom actually said, oh, you know, Jennifer. So Jennifer is my full name. She's like, oh, you know, Jennifer, a year after you were born, um, and you're probably gonna have to mark this episode as explicit after this conversation, but he's like a year after your dad was born, he slit his wrists. And so he actually attempted suicide when I was only one years old. And I never knew about this. Um, I, I literally only found out about this this year. And I just have to say that if it wasn't for, uh, like I mentioned, all the, all the help and all the, you know, coaching um, and therapy that I had received, I would have, I would have told myself such an awful story about mm -hmm. like, my dad didn't love me. My dad didn't care enough to stay alive for me. Um, you know, like I could have told myself that entire story, but you know what? I, I, I've come to a place where I realized that like, we're, we're all just, we're all, we're all trying to figure out this life. And, and sometimes we accidentally hurt other people in the process. And if you know a little bit of, if I can share my dad's background, um, for a little bit, you know, he was actually a farmer in the Philippines. Like both of my parents, uh, they come, they're, they're a background of farmers and they're still farmers today over there. And he actually loved farming, but his dad was like, nah, you got to go, you, you got to join the Navy. You know, you got to get out of here. You got to have a better life. And so my dad actually joined the military, um, not because he wanted to, but because he was forced to. Um, and I can only imagine, um, at that time, because uh, this was in the 80s and the 90s, um, you know, probably the the racism and the discrimination he probably went through um, at that time. And uh, also just just how mental health wasn't highly spoken of. Um, when you come from a third world country, mental health is considered a luxury and almost like really silly and retarded, you know, to like seek that kind of help. And so I think my dad had held in a lot of things. And so even though 
I'm here thinking like, oh my gosh, like you, you had two more years, you know, to retire. Like you're two years away. Like you, you could have stuck it out. But I could imagine that at that point, he probably was just in so much pain that he probably felt like that was the only option for him at that point. And so I, I feel fortunate to be in a place where I know it's not my fault. Like, I mean, I can at least tell myself that story. And, and I just wish that I was there for him. You know, I wish, I wish I knew, I wish I was was self-aware enough to be like, Hey dad, I'm here for you. I love you. Come back home. But I was only 10. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I'm just, I just really appreciate you giving me the time to share that and to know that, to know, to really create awareness that, you know, suicide and depression and, and mental health is really um, an issue in the military community. And as you mentioned earlier, it's quite unfortunate that it's not really, I don't know, added into the program. <laughs> and, and it's not, it's no wonder why, um, you know, what's that number again? 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so unfortunate that that's a statistic. And, uh, I just wish that there were more resources um, during active duty um, that's more available and more importantly normalized um, so that we could prevent something like that. Cause it's one thing to, it's one thing to, you know, get killed in combat, but to, to choose to take your life, it's a whole other different story, a different issue. Um, and if that's true, now I'm not saying this is true. I'm just, just what I've gathered. Yep. Um, I can only, a lot of things make sense if that's true. And, um, and I'm just fortunate to be in a place where I can handle that information. There's something that I talk about a lot in the podcast. It's kind of like the thesis, which is legacy of our family or our family is our legacy. And there was an episode that I think you'd probably like with Ashley Buggy. She was back in last July. Her husband died in a scuba diving accident in Hawaii. Wow. And she was six months pregnant and she had two young kids under mm. four years at home. And so you can imagine going through losing your husband and she talks about it on the podcast and but her husband lived his life with a no bucket list mentality. Like the PCS to Hawaii, they actually got a sailboat. A bunch of guys went from San Diego to Hawaii on a sailboat. The family flew wow. on an airplane, but he went on a sailboat because he lived life with no bucket list. Very and cool. even after he died, she took it upon to kind of continue that legacy. And when I interviewed, she was in Poland and they were touring Europe in the summer as a family with young kids. And she brought a couple, a friend with her, maybe two friends to help take care of the kids. But they were doing it just like his dad did. And it, it realized, like, if you're talking, he left a blueprint for his kids to always feel connected to him. And as you're mm-hmm. interviewing your, like, your dad and finding out different things, you're going to figure out who your dad was and you're going to find those pieces of how to connect with him in your life today. And that's how you're going to be able to take his memory and keep on going either through your life or his stories and, like, I have this idea, like veterans are only forgotten when people stop talking about their name and you're doing that research project. You're going to be able to dive into who he was and re almost reignite that legacy of who he was to make sure that when you start your family, you know, that secret recipe that he had of who he was, those stories, that depth and make sure that it doesn't stop because that's the beauty of our family and the military, we have such a rare ability to create such an amazing legacy because we live a life that very few people have even compared to. There's only 7% of the population is a veteran, and there's like less than 1% that's actually on active duty at any given time. So like our ability to create amazing life is awesome. So as you dive into it, think, like I, I, it's an awesome idea to dive into it and figure out who he was because if you figure out who he was, then you can step into that in your own life, which some of that you didn't have the ability to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I have to give a shout out to my sister, Josephine, because uh, as I had mentioned, even a couple of years ago, I just resigned from knowing anymore. Um, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to ever find the answers. I am 100% okay with that. And the fact that my sister wanted to learn um, I told her because since I've already done, like, since I already do podcasting, I was like, Hey, well, I mean, I know the right questions to ask. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's just been such a gift uh, to do it with her because there was a time where I wanted my family and I to learn more about my dad, but it just didn't seem important to them. Um, even with my older brother. And so I almost felt uh, ashamed for wanting to know my dad's story. And I felt alone and I thought no one would ever want to figure it out with me. Even my sister didn't seem to care so much. And so the fact that she has come out and said, yeah, I, I want to figure out what happened to dad. I want to know, you know, why I am who I am today. And, uh, it's been, it's been very eye opening, and, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just nothing but grateful because I, I signed off a long time ago <laughs> and, and now I could really just like everything that's happening, you know, from this moment forward is really a bonus. And, um, I do have to say that it's really made, um, my relationship with my sister a lot better and my immediate family. And, um, I actually had become estranged to a lot of my relatives because as I mentioned, um, earlier on this interview, I had, um, experienced a lot of toxic relationships within my family. Um, that's a conversation for another time, but because of my sister, I told her that I'm willing to go out of my way to speak to certain relatives, uh, for the sake of our dad's story. So shout out to my sister, Josephine. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's, it's going to be, so, I, I can imagine it'll, it'll probably crescendo and climax right when you hold your da or daughter or son for the first time. Like, when Oh you, God. <laughs> Cause you're like that. You'll, you'll probably lose it, even more so than cause it's a magical moment. But like when you realize like the, what you're holding in your hands is a continuation of what your father and everything that's happened to you and the ability to keep it going and knowing those stories, like stories are so powerful. That's why I love podcasting. Yes. And it's not talked about enough. Yep. It's not just a marketing technique. Like stories can move a mountain for someone because, and like the crazy part about stories is like, you think that it's not a great story. You can easily devalue your own story. And, but man, when you put those words out there, like you realize that the world is waiting for you to tell your story first. And then by going first, you give someone else permission to go second. Right. And that's the power of podcasting. And this story here, if a gold star daughter listens to this episode and is at a different part of the journey, you're giving her hope, you're giving her connection, you're invalidating the crap thoughts that she's having in her head that I'm the only one that's ever gone through this in the history of the universe. And the moment <laughs> you do that, that's when you can start to take those steps that to, to step into your mess and to step into those feelings instead of running from something, but really running towards the beauty that is inside you, but you can't do it when you're running away from it. Yeah, for sure. I, I love how you said that. And I love how we're having this conversation about story telling because I literally just uh, published a, um, an episode on my podcast show, Holding Down the Fort, where I was interviewed um, by someone else on their show about the importance of storytelling. And um, the biggest thing I want to tell people who feel like they're not ready yet or they, they don't think they have a good enough story is that storytelling is not selfish. It's actually selfless. It's a selfless act because like you said, um, you, your story can help more people than you realize. And maybe even if it just helps one person, that'll cause a ripple effect for all the people in their lives that, that they touch. And so, yeah, I, I, 
this is why I absolutely love the power of podcasting as well. Uh, just to have, uh, it's really kind of like the, the number one equal equalizer for um, everyone to share their stories. And yeah, I mean, if, if you haven't shared your story yet, do it. And if not, we hope, I mean, I, I'm saying this to your listeners as well, if you haven't shared your story yet, to listen to enough of Ben's episodes to be like, okay, I, I can do this. No one has you know? died in the recording of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Despite what, your brain, good, good. despite what your brain says you're going to explode like that yeah, internal anxiety you mentioned it like you just feel like you want to throw up when you start facing that raw bottle of emotion like I, there's a, an, a thing that I talk about quite a bit like I did an episode on emotions back in November it was 20 minutes I didn't consider it anything game-changing but it was my perspective on what I've gone through a Vietnam veteran mm-hmm. emailed me and said if I would have had your episode 30 years ago I would have been a better dad Wow. And that was just me sharing 20 minutes helped mm-hmm. him reconnect with the feeling that in his case, it was probably a little bit regret, but it's never too late. His kids are still part of his life. And now Beautiful. he gets to, to step into that. And the part of the stories, like you think about it, they're very tribal. Like stories were the method of how wisdom was passed on in the tribes growing or yes. before society decided to be industrialized. And we've completely forgot that. Like that's what po- the power of podcasting, I think, is bringing back this, the yep. wisdom within stories. And that's how information was passed on. That's how people continue to learn from the lessons. And that's how a lot of the history has been recorded is by through the stories. And those stories, I'm sure, were unremarkable. I'm sure they, they were just probably like hunting type stuff. But yet those <laughs> stories were learned and passed down to teach a lesson about something. And that's the the beauty of what you have now. You're going to be able to take a lesson from your dad and be able to explain it to your kids. Like this lesson I got from my dad because I, I heard it from someone and I want to repeat it to you because it changed my life when I heard it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I want to add that um, at back then when I used to be nervous, uh, you know, or, or shy or feel like I didn't have a good enough story. Um, fortunately, I've, I've been in an environment that that has enabled me to share my story um, and and to really be more comfortable in my own skin and and my past. And uh, there's a good quote that I heard from someone. I want to share it on here as well. Um, and it's about sharing, you know, really about sharing your story or um, yeah, sharing your story. Is that if um, if you are nervous, just focus on being of service. Like when you when you focus on helping other people, when you focus on serving other people, the nerves just go away. You know, and if you don't like, because otherwise you, you, you know, as, as rough as it sounds, you're being selfish. You're, you're being, you know, a little self-centered, like for you to think like, like, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's pretty much it. All I have to say about that is like there, when you realize that when you can get over that hump and realize like, we all have a part to play in this world, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's called storytelling. It's, it's called storytelling because you can't tell a story unless someone else is listening. You know, storytelling is about building bridges and when you build bridges, it doesn't, it's not even just uh, between you and I, Ben, but it's the people that are listening. And it's the story that they will see. They, it's the stories they like, it's our stories where they will see themselves in. And so that's part of why I am uh, very unapologetic of me talking about this and why I've done a lot of work to uh, become more articulate because it's not about me. <laughs> Like it's it's not about me. It's about that that other gold star daughter who lost her father at a very young age, and she is you know maybe the same age as me, if not older. Um, and she's wondering why she's been divorced five or six times. <laughs> yep. And and she's realizing like, oh, it's because I lost my father. And uh, I think a lot of us tend to take our upbringing for granted. We don't realize like how malleable we were. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and so if we can all realize that, I think that'll help all of us just be a little more human, a little more compassionate and a little more empathetic, uh, toward one another. There's a story that I, you'll, you'll like, cause it was from PodFest. So that networking speed dating thing that we did, like, oh, when the I first did not night, go to that. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely amazing. The was best, it? Okay. It was, I loved it. And there was a mom okay. at that table, one of the tables and she was saying, I edit podcasts, but I've always wanted to start a podcast. So then she starts unpacking and she wanted to talk about, about uh, postpartum depression for women after having mm-hmm. babies. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because it hit me like to my same. I was like, I told her, I was like, lady, uh, someone died yesterday or a husband lost his wife yesterday to suicide from postpartum depression. Your podcast mm-hmm. could be that voice to, to make sure that someone has their mom. Yeah. And I, like four women at the table were crying. Because of the wow. power, like I, like she was realizing that, like I could have that effect on and save people's wives and have a child, so call a mom. And the same thing in your case, this story, this episode, could prevent a daughter who's not in the same point and make her from not taking her life but stepping into her own life. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's the power when you share it out. And if you have, if you have any type of mess and you haven't figured out how to turn it into the message, there's someone out there that's a few steps behind you waiting for you to figure it out because when you do you'll be able to be like i said that lighthouse to help them through that darkness because you're on the other side of that darkness and you've always got to be looking backwards and i think that's why i love framing it like life's not happening to you but it's for you because everything that's happened you can help pull people through what you went through as well because you're ahead yeah for sure and one more thing i want to add to that ben is that um yeah, I just I want to thank you for creating this platform, you know, for people for giving a voice uh, to veteran dads and to people myself, because um, you know I think as as connected as we are with social media and, and technology today, a lot of us feel so alone in our immediate network. Like some of us feel so alone within our families or within our our, our friends that sometimes podcasting is the friend that we've all been looking for. You know, so a lot of these I, I can only imagine that a lot of your li- listeners probably wouldn't talk to, you know, people within their network about these conversations. And so the fact that you give them the opportunity to eavesdrop um, and learn something is, is extremely powerful. And, and, you know, this just goes back to us preaching <laughs> the importance of you sharing your story because you just never know. There might be that person who feels so alone, yep. even amongst loved ones, but it's your story from a stranger you know, from, from all people where it's like, wow, like because of you, because I don't know you, but because of your story, I can live another day or I, I can do this. Um, yep. so, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for what you do uh, on the show. I love what you mentioned just there. And I appreciate that, uh, gratitude because my story started with friendships. Like when I turned 30, I was really like, no one's going to be at the end of my life that cared that I lived. And so I wasn't mm-hmm. worried about taking my own life. I was just worried that no one was going to care that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so my story of friendships is my, my beginning. I started with talking with dads at the park and that's really where I stepped into my growth to get where I am now. And I often say, like, I, I tell everybody in any podcast I go to, like I, the one product they offer free of charge is friendship. And I'm always showing up as a friend. I wish I had my life when I turned 30 and friendships is that vehicle to help c- close that gap and where you feel today, but where you want to be tomorrow. And when you mm-hmm. feel connected with another person and a friend, like that's what helped change my world. It wasn't like a bunch of therapy. It really, I just needed to feel connected yeah. to someone else. Oh yeah. There's this really good book that I read last year. It's called the upward spiral 
viral by Alex Korb. And he essentially said that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to work through your depression and to lower your depression. But the number one way to like cure depression is through connection. Um, and so it doesn't even always have to be in person. It, it could just be listening to podcast shows, you know, to listen to these kinds of stories. Um, and so that's why it's so important. Um, I think for us to share our stories and to have a platform like this and, uh, yeah, just, just another reminder that, um, connection is so imperative and storytelling, um, helps build that connection with people. Correct. And that, that when you can just feel connected, you don't feel alone. If you don't feel alone, then you feel everything is possible. Yes. <laughs> if people want to connect with you, Jen, and follow up, or if they, if, if this is, if there's a daughter out there listening that would love to have a conversation, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, well, uh, you could actually find me on LinkedIn, just Jen Amos, J-E-N-A-M-O-S. Uh, you could even ch- check out um, my podcast show, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. You'll find all my social media links on there. Um, and then also, if you're on Instagram, I'm pretty active on there. My IG handle is the Jen Amos. Um, and yeah, that's it. So I hope to connect with all of you. And I want to thank you, Ben, again, for the opportunity to share my story. This is amazing because, I, like I said, we have never gone into this area in this particular way. I knew from the very beginning when I launched it, if you go to the introduction, I even said I wanted to interstar, interview people of Gold Star Families. Yeah, you were I the got very excited first, when I heard that. You were the very first one uh, because I yes. knew there was value in valuing our own life as fathers. And you have that gift that you can talk about the pain. But then you can also talk about the impact of what father, the gap of fatherhood, but then also what you miss when, when they were no longer there with you. So I truly appreciate you. And I'm glad we had this conversation. And I'm excited to get this out there because I'm positive we brought a few dads home today. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.